Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. So we are in week two of our series called Security Blanket. And in this series, we're just trying to find out where do we find our security? What do we put it in? And last week, we talked about how a lot of us will put our security in the things of this world. But that's not actually the life that Jesus calls us to live. We're actually called to put our trust, put our hope, put our security in Jesus. And so we're in week two of this series. And um, I wanted to start off today by asking you all a question. Now, the first service might have been a little holier, but I think we're a little more honest. We got a little bit more sleep, maybe a little bit more breakfast. How many of you would say you love to come in first? You know, first to get technology, first in line to get food. Come on, keep your hands up. Some of you, you know, okay, the rest of you, you're all sinners still, all right? We know you love to come in first. You're like, no, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. No, cut that out. You're first. You like to get first to the red light, first to get your food, first to get the technology, first to leave the church parking lot because you can't stand what's going on or you got to go to the bathroom. You got to be first. If I'm being honest with you all, I love to be first too. There's times in my life where I'm always competing. You know, when I would go to the gym, there'd be times I'd be walking up to the treadmill, you know, and I see this guy and he's going so fast and he's going his distance and I go, oh yeah, I'm gonna beat you right now. He doesn't know we're competing, but guess what? I won. We were competing and I came in first place. I went faster and farther than he did. There are times where Jen and I, we might come in separate cars to the church, maybe for church, because the boys are sleeping in or, or maybe for an event here at the church. And so we come in separate cars and then we're driving home. She doesn't know it, but we're racing. And guess who's coming in first? This guy right here, right? Like I, we are always, I'm always looking for a way to compete or come in first. Some of you are like, that's sick. No, it's just fun. All right. I like having some fun. I like to come in first. I've even seen this trickle down to my boys. They all love to come in first as well. You know, it's the first ones to see who can wash their hands first, first ones to finish eating, first ones to win their made-up race that they're having. And I've even heard them go, no, that doesn't count. I hurt my leg, or you breathed on me wrong, or you cheated in some way. And so they're always competing on who could be first. The thing I haven't figured out is how to get them to be first to bed, first to go to sleep. Like that's, that's when I figure it out, I'll let you all know, right? So that's my service to you. But yeah, I know, right? But they're always competing to be first. They're like, hey, first, this is one of their competitions. First one to see who can pee the furthest and the longest off the back porch. They are always competing in our house. And I don't know where they get it from, honestly. (laughs) But we all like to be first. It's okay to compete. It's okay to come in first. But that always means there's a second, a third, and a fourth place. And the reality is, while we're outwardly competing and battling for first place, there's an inward battle happening in our hearts for what is first. And so in this series, Security Blanket, we're talking about who or what do we trust when it comes to our finances? And I believe what we're going to find out is what we value the most is often what's first place in our lives. So here's the big question for us to answer today. Who or what is in that first position of your life? Who or what do you trust the most? Who's first? Is it your possessions? Is it your house, your cars? Is it entertainment? I got to catch my shows. Stranger Things is coming out. I'm setting some time aside for that. Is it your money? Is it your career? Or is it God's people? Is it God's house? Is it God's word? 
Is it God himself? Is he first in your life? And don't answer this Jesus because we're in church and like, I got to get a passing grade. You know, I know that's the right answer. That's the answer I'm supposed to say. It's not about being right. It's about being honest with yourself. Jesus knows what's first in your life. He's not shocked by it. You just need to be honest with yourself. Who or what is in first place in your life? Listen, whatever takes first place in your life will drive your life. There's so many things that are crying out for our attention, our jobs, our kids, our spouse, our hobbies. And we have to be careful to not let those things become more important or take more of a priority than our relationship with God. But how many times, or yet how many of the things that occupy our time, money, and attention have taken the place of where God is supposed to be? See, the Bible tells us that God wants to be first. Because when God is first, everything else will fall into its proper place. When I invite God to be first in my marriage, when I I make the choice, today I choose to love my spouse more than I love myself, my marriage is going to be a little bit better. When I, listen, more money isn't going to make your marriage any better. If you don't like each other when you're broke, what makes you think having more money is going to make anything better? When I, invite G, when I invite God to be first in my family and how I raise my kids, my kids will see Jesus in ways they wouldn't have other seen him. They would have seen Jesus play out as I seek to please him and obey him. They're going to see Jesus as I ask for forgiveness and as I stumble through this life. They're going to see Jesus when I invite Jesus into how I raise my family. More money isn't going to introduce your kids to Jesus. More money isn't going to keep your kids out of trouble or off of drugs. More Jesus is what you need. Because when you invite God to be first in your decision-making and how you spend your money, the Bible says that's when life's going to get better and that's when things are going to fall into place. In fact, Deuteronomy 30 verse 15 says, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Basically what's being said here is today you have a choice. You're going to do good. You're going to do something bad and you better make sure you make the right choice. How do you make the right choice? It goes on to say, For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, the key word there is if. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. Now, Deuteronomy 30 is a promise to Israel that God was either going to bless them or curse them. Now, last time I checked, I'm not talking to the children of Israel in this room right now. And so this promise isn't for us. But that doesn't mean we can just write this verse off altogether because there's a principle that we can learn here that God wants us to learn. And the principle is this, that when we love God and make him first, first in our lives, first in our finances, we are building a solid foundation on him. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Because when it comes to our money and our finances, people can take all this stuff out of context. The point is this. God's blessing is on those who honor him and put him first in everything. And all of that means that it takes a step of faith. It's a step of faith. It takes a step of faith to say, God, you know what? I'm going to live off of 90% instead of 100%. And you know what the Lord says? I'm going to bless you. That doesn't mean you're going to be rich and have a lot of stuff, but he's going to meet you in the middle because you're taking a step of faith. Take money out of it altogether. How does this apply? 
Well, maybe this week you're an introverted person and you know this week you got to take a step of faith and join an awakening group. You're like, I don't know that I'm ready for this. I don't know that I could do this, but it takes a step of faith. And you know what happens when you take that step of faith? God's going to draw near to you, meet you, and he's going to bless you because of it. Maybe you're hearing about phase two of Together We Build, or maybe Awakey Kids, and you're like, man, I got to give or I got to serve. You know, those two-year-olds, they need Jesus, and there's a lot of pinching and biting going on in that room, <laughs> and they need Jesus. And you're like, it's going to take a step of faith for me to go and serve there. But guess what? You're going to be blessed because God's going to draw near to you as you take that step of faith. There's a ministry opportunity. The Lord's been laying on your heart and you've been delaying it a little bit more, but you know you need to take a step of faith. The Lord draws near and he will bless you because of that. When we discuss money and finances, we have to recognize that God is not a vending machine. We don't give in to him to get something out. We never give to get something. And if we don't have a lot of wealth and prosperity, then we're not giving enough. That's not at all what we're talking about. We don't give to get. God's already given us a lot, but he is a father who knows what's best. And we want to honor him accordingly. And so what Deuteronomy is getting at is that when we love God and make him first, first in our lives, first in our finances, when we do these things, everything will fall into place, will come into order, and you can face whatever situation you're going to go through in life because you're demonstrating God's in charge of your life and not yourself. And you're going to see God's power working in you and through you and for you. See, this isn't just an Old Testament principle. I love any time that I can tie in the New Testament and the Old Testament to show you just how complete God's word is. Paul lived this out. Philippians chapter four, you can read this later, verses 10 through 13. Paul lived this out. Here's Paul, he's thrown into prison, he's cold and he's hungry and people are hearing about Paul. They're hearing about what's going on and so they wanna give to the ministry of Paul and Paul's almost writing a thank you letter to them and he's going, listen, I found the secret to be content in all things. He's like, whether I have a little or I have a lot, whether I'm hungry or I have lots of food, whether my hands are empty or my hands are full, he goes, I have learned the secret that I can be content in all things, no matter what I have, because God gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oftentimes we quote this verse the wrong way. You've barely done 10 push-ups in your life and you're like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm doing 100. No, that's not what it means. I remember I told Dawson once, my youngest son, he was going to do something a uh, little unsafe. I don't even remember exactly what it was, jumping off of some height. I said, you can't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. And he looked at me, no joke. And he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. <laughs> I was like, don't quote the Bible at me. You know who I am. <laughs> That's not what it means. What Paul is getting at is whether he has lots of money, he has little money, He's learned the secret to be content and happy because he can do all of that through Christ who gives him strength. And I hope that's an encouragement to you today because I know for many of us, life isn't going well. You don't feel blessed. Money is this constant source of tension. Seems like there's never enough. You're living paycheck to paycheck. And so when we talk about putting God first in our finances, this is a hard thing for us to take in. Because for some of you, you're going through unbelievable circumstances, going through unbelievable hardships that are just killing your energy, killing your wallet. But here's the truth. The good life begins not when our circumstances change, but when our attitude towards them does. See, that's what Paul found out. That's what Deuteronomy is teaching us. 
God is always trustworthy when it comes to our life. God is always trustworthy when it comes to our finances. I've had a lot of financial ups and downs in my own life. And what I've learned from my experience is that financial stress is not necessarily always tied to money issues. It's really a trust issue. Can I really trust God with my life? Can I really trust God with my finances? Because how quickly I forget the promises in God's word, what he promises to me about my finances. He promises in Matthew chapter six that he cares more about me than the creation or the animals. He sees and knows my financial need. And if he takes care of all the animals in his earth, how much more valuable am I? He loves me. He takes care of me. He sees it. And sometimes when we all worry about our finances, it's because we've forgotten how valuable we are to God. I know for me, remembering that I serve a God who provides for all my needs, maybe not all my greeds, want the new iPhone and some other things. He might not provide for all my greeds, but he does provide for all my needs. He's, it's helped me put my financial situation in perspective. And when I remember the truths of God's word and his heart for me, it gives me peace of mind about my financial situation when I can't have control over it. It gives me a peace of mind. So what are God's thoughts on this topic? The title of today's message is God's financial plan for your life. Because God isn't silent on this issue when it comes to our finances. See, money is just a very important topic in the Bible. Some of you might think, well, this is an Old Testament principle. I'm New Testament. This has nothing to do with me. And it does. In fact, almost half of Jesus' parables dealt with this topic of money. One out of every seven verses deals with this topic. Put it in a little perspective. There are about 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 verses on faith, but 2,000 verses on money. It's an important topic. And so the big question for us to answer, who or what is in that first position of our lives? Is it God? Because if it's not God, then how do we make sure that we do put him first in our finances? And the Bible tells us that, instructs us on what we're supposed to do. The Bible says it all starts with what's called a tithe, which simply means a tenth or 10%. Tithing is one of the ways that we show that we trust God with our lives and with our finances. In fact, let's look at our main text today, Deuteronomy 14, starting in verse 22. It says, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed or crops that come from the field year by year. Now pause just right there, because some of you might go, well, I'm not a farmer, so how does this apply to me? Well, this was written to an agricultural community, and so um, this was their form of currency, crops, and all of that was their form of currency. So today we could translate this verse to say that we are, every time we get our paycheck, we're supposed to give 10% of that back to God. Verse 23 says, and before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, basically church, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. See, the purpose of tithing was to build honor and reverence for God. See, the whole point of Deuteronomy 22 and 23 is to teach us that tithing is always to put God first in our lives. Now, why does God want to be first in our lives? Is it because he's broke and he needs our money? It's not it at all. 
And we talked a little bit about it last week. Money can be a very attractive false God for many of us. Because God knew for a lot of us, money would be the number one competitor for our hearts. Because money often promises what only God can provide. And we talked about it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, that we can't serve both God and money. It has to be one or the other. It can't be both. Tithing is something that God asks us to do, not because he needs our money, but because he wants our hearts. So money has to be put in its right place in our lives. We need to make sure that we have a right perspective when it comes to our money. Because listen, we can put our hope, comfort, and security in the things of this world, or we can put our hope, comfort, in the things of, this, of, of the Lord. But listen, we can't pursue both God and greed at the same time. Listen, having money isn't wrong. Being wealthy doesn't mean that you are greedy. It's what you do with your money that matters. So when we put God first in our lives and our finances, we're telling God, my hope, my trust, my security is in you and you alone, God. So who do you trust? Do you put God first in your finances? You might be sitting here today and you might be saying, are you telling me? Now, I get it. I'm supposed to put God first in my life. I get that. I've been to church. I understand that. But you're telling me that this isn't just an Old Testament principle. This is a New Testament. I got to put God first in my finances? Yes, I am. And you might think, well, now I'm going to have to rearrange my whole life around God. I'm going to have to make some massive changes in my life to put him first. And I don't know that I'm ready to do that. I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I can afford to do that. I got some things I got to buy. I got some bills I got to pay. I don't think I can afford to do that. I would tell you today, I don't think you can afford not to do it. Why? Because that's what God did for us. God surrendered himself when he sent his first, his best, his son, Jesus, to come to this earth, to live and die and rise again for us. Nothing was off limits. Nothing was off limits to God when it came to saving us. God modeled tithing for us. So why would we not want to surrender or rearrange our lives just a little bit to put him first in every aspect of our lives? Because when we do that, we become a reflection of the the generous God that we serve to this world that needs to see it. So how do we take the first step of putting God first in our finances? Because it could seem like a daunting task. It could seem a little hard. How do I practically do that? I've got three practical ways for you to do that. And the first one is have a plan for your paycheck. You got to have a plan for your paycheck. Proverbs 21.20 says, precious treasures and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Here's the world's plan for your paycheck. Spend, save, and give in that order. Spend, save, and give. The world says when you get your paycheck, you just got to go spend it on whatever you want. You worked for it. You earned it. You got to go spend it. Go buy those things. Go treat yourself just a little bit, right? Go do it. You earned it. In fact, the great poets of our society, Bone Thugs and Harmony, said it best in their song, First of the Month. Wake up, wake up. It's the first of the month. Get up, get up. Cash your checks. Well, listen, you don't have to just listen to Bone Thugs and Harmony. In fact, don't really listen to them, but... (laughs) 
We also have phrases today like YOLO, you only live once. Go buy that house, go buy that car, go buy that motorcycle, go buy that boat, go do all of those things because why? You deserve it. You only live once. The world says when you get your paycheck, you should spend it. And if you have anything left, if you have anything left, then maybe you could save it. Don't give it. No one's trustworthy of it. But you got to spend it. That's the world's plan for your paycheck. God's plan is a little bit different. God's plan is give, save, and spend in that order. Give, save, and spend in that order. God says, everything you have is a gift from me. Listen, we have to understand, we don't own anything. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. God created everything in this world. He spoke and things were created. Everything was his. And what did he do? He left Adam in charge of what he created. The same is true for us. Everything we have is God's. See, God gave you life. God gave you breath. God gave you arms and legs. God gave you a brain and intellect. He gave you this ability to work an income or work a job so that you can have an income. He orchestrated and organized your life in such a way so that you could have the job that you have. He has brought you here for this time. Everything you have comes from the hand of God. Everything belongs to him. And so we're to take the first 10% of every paycheck and give it to God. Now, I know that this can sound like a massive figure to some of us. Because some of us, we haven't prioritized this. So how do you get there? Well, maybe you just start. One week, it's 1%. Week 2, 2%. Week 3, 3%. Week 8, 8%. You just slowly start building this as a regular rhythm in your life. But here's what God says. When you do that, when you are showing that he is first in your life, not just first in parts of your life, not first over here and maybe over there, but God, you better not touch my money. That's mine. You ain't first there. But when you prove that God is first in every area of your life, including your money and your finances, that's when everything starts to fall into place. Proverbs again says, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. A foolish person says, I'm going to spend everything I have. There's no strategy. There's no plan. What does the wise person do? The wise person saves for the future. The question you need to ask yourself is, do you take a portion of your paycheck and give it? And then do you take a portion of your paycheck and save and invest in the future? Uh, probably about a month ago, my middle son, Asher, he's got these big blue eyes and he's got this smile and I often tell them, all you need to do is just look and smile, and you'll probably get anything you want in life. <laughs> How do I know this? Because I've experienced it firsthand. He gets just about everything he wants. And so just one day, he came up to Jen. We were in the kitchen. Jen and I were doing something in the kitchen. And he comes up to Jen, and he looks at her. And I think he had an angle. And I haven't figured it out yet, but this is what he said. He goes, Mommy, you do so much around this house. You cook. You clean. You make sure that we're clean and we're ready for school. You do all of these things. And I think that we should help you out a little bit more. I want to help you out a little bit. And Jen just goes, oh, Asher, you're so nice. You're so sweet. And she starts kissing him on the head and is like, at least I'm so glad that you noticed this, unlike the other slobs that live in this house. And <laughs> maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. She's kissing him. She's hugging him. She's like, oh, it's so nice that you noticed that. And she says, hey, I'm about to start the dishes. Do you want to help me with that? And he looks at her, 
He looks at the ground, looks back at her, and he goes, maybe tomorrow. We'll start that tomorrow, right? He pushed it off. But isn't that how we can be when it comes to our savings? I know we should, we say, I know I should save. I know I should set some aside. I know I should give. But how many times we go, well, maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Now I got some things I got to buy. I'll, I'll just deal with that tomorrow. We put it off. I want to give you a practical example. Let's say you're 25 years old. You make $30,000 a year for the next 30 years. Now, you're never going to get a raise. You're going to be loyal to this job. That's all you're ever going to make. Let's say you take the first 10% of that paycheck and you give it as a tithe to the church to see the work of Jesus furthered in your community. And then you take another 10% and you invest it in a mutual fund that has a 7% gain. In 30 years, you will have contributed $90,000 to the cause of Christ and you'll have a savings of over $283,000. And that's pretty conservative. Listen, you could do this at any age you're at. You just plug in your number, plug in your income. I figured this all out without getting a raise, without even upgrade. Obviously, you'll get raises. Obviously, you'll transition into other jobs. And so your, your money will increase over time. But you have to have a plan for your paycheck. Make a plan. Here's the second thing. You have to attack your debt. Years ago, the church was maybe about two, three years old. And we had this men's event and it was a men's event, and we were paintballing. And uh, our church is made up of mostly military people. And in my opinion, this was the worst event we could have ever put on. <laughs> because listen, we have guys constantly training how to shoot guns. They know what they're doing. They know how things work. I don't care what you get, rubber band gun, a paintball gun. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get hit because I'm not training with guns that often. I'm trying to get a little bit better, trying to work that in a little bit. But these guys train every day. And so we threw on this event. Let me tell you, it was the most terrifying event that we've ever had. And I've been around here for 12 years. This is the most terrifying event, the event that I was the least prepared for. And I hated this event. I was dreading. I even remember looking at Jen saying, well, it's nice knowing you. Like I thought I was marching to my death. I was going to get a paintball to the temple and be done. Like that's what I thought. I wasn't prepared for this. I had nothing for it. So I borrowed some camo pants from a friend of mine, and I was like, well, the only shirt that I see that I don't really care if it gets ruined is this bright red shirt. And so I put on this bright red shirt and these camo pants. Let me tell you, they all laughed at me. It's okay, you don't laugh. They all laughed at me, and let me tell you, they were like licking their chops. They were strategizing. How are we going to paint the pastor? What are we going to do? We're going to make you pay for wearing all that stuff? Let me tell you, I was terrified, and I was scared, but they were ready to attack me before I was ready to attack them. And I was zigzagging, trying to avoid all the paintballs. I got hit a couple times, but at the end of it, the point of all of this is when you look at your debt, it's going to feel intimidated like I felt intimidated that day. When you sit down and you look at your budget, you're going to feel defeated like I felt defeated that day. You may look at your school loans and want to crawl and run and hide from those things. But here's what you need to do instead. You have to attack your debt before it attacks you. Amen. Proverbs 6, 5 says, save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now let me get Discovery Channel on us for just a second. What's the primary hunter for a gazelle? It's a cheetah. The cheetah, the cheetahs are pretty cool. Our, our, my boys love cheetahs. They could go zero to 47 in four leaps 
They can hit top speeds of 70 miles an hour. They're pretty cool. They're pretty fast. So if you're a gazelle, how do you save yourself from the paws of cheetahs? You don't get close to them. So that means this is, what, this is how you apply this. When you hear somebody say, hey, you can get this credit card. We'll give you this free gift. Just sign up for it. Hey, it's 0% interest for a year. You don't have to worry about making a payment for a whole year. Sign up for this credit card. What do you do? You run like a gazelle. You get out of there. What happens when you have a car payment that's just killing you? You sell that car. You get a used one. You get a cheaper one. You, listen, debt is hunting you. And you've got to attack your debt before it attacks you. Debt is like this cheetah. It's going to run up on you. And it's going to quickly attack you. And you better have some gazelle-like power and skill to avoid debt. So how do you avoid your debt? How do you attack this debt? Well, very simply put, you could do what's called a debt snowball. And this was popularized by a guy named Dave Ramsey. Some of you probably have heard of him. He's a, a Christian financial guy. And um, we actually had one of his classes here at the church. Um, it's called Financial Peace. And so it's to equip us to either get out of debt or to give you some tools to manage uh, the finances that God has given you. And so Dave Ramsey has kind of popularized this, but it's called a debt snowball. And basically what it means is that you list your debts from smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate. And you make the minimum payments on each one of those except the smallest one. You put as much money as you can to the smallest one. So that might mean you work a second job or you got to sell some things, but you're putting all your money into that, second, that first smallest debt. And when that's paid off, then you move it down to the next smallest debt. And you pay everything you can to that debt. And you just keep repeating the process until everything is paid in full. Now, listen, I know sometimes our debts can feel like mountains to climb that feel like an impossibility to some of us. But listen, you can do this. But it all takes you attacking your debt before it attacks you. Here's the last practical step. Saying no will allow you to say yes later. Saying no will allow you to say yes later. Dave Ramsey says it this way. What do you need to say no to today so that you can say yes to tomorrow? Proverbs 21, 17 says, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. In that culture, wine and oil were luxuries. So what this verse is saying is that you can have those luxuries today. You can have all the wine and all the oil you want to have today, but you're going to be broke tomorrow. You're going to be so broke, you'll be broke as a joke. You're going to be so poor, you're going to be po. You can't even afford the other O and R. That's how poor you're going to be. Or you, you, could say, you could have all those luxuries, or you could say no to those luxuries today, so you could say yes to something tomorrow. This is something I'm trying to build in the culture of our church. As we look at the finances, sometimes we just have to say no to some good things. And that's hard. It's hard to say no to some good things. But when we say no to some good things, we're saying yes to some better things later. See, I was looking into how many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck this week. And what I found out was that 54% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. With 21% of those struggling to even pay their bills meaning they have little or no money left after spending their income. Saying no to something today will allow you to say yes to something later. Dave Ramsey says this, you can't get out of debt 
by keeping the same lifestyle that got you there. Cut out everything except the basics. Now, just to be clear, the Bible isn't anti-debt. There are good debts and there are bad debts. Some good debts are housing loans, a loan to start or grow a business. Sometimes there can be good school debt loans. Some people would argue that getting a car loan is okay. It's a good debt. It's, I think, only supposed to be one-third of your annual income. But if you get that, then that's a good debt. Listen, those can be good debts, but that doesn't mean you just go and you get all the debts because you're like, these are permissible debts. It's okay. I'm just going to live like a bala right now. You know, that's not what that's saying. You need to think through all of that stuff. You need to think through, do I need these debts? Do I really need these kinds of things? But some of those are permissible debts. But then there are some bad debts. Bad debts can be student loans, especially when you're just buying cheeseburgers and popcorn the whole time. That can be a bad thing. Bad debts are credit card debt. You shouldn't have credit card debt. When you are paying interest on a credit card, you are wasting your money. Now, I know with the church this size, for many of us, we have credit card debt. Listen, I don't want you to feel ashamed or embarrassed by the debts that you have. You might have a whole set of other debts that you can feel ashamed or embarrassed by. And you might be like, well, all these people seem to have it together. I'm the only one who doesn't. Listen, I don't want you to feel that way. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. I struggle with these things too. I hope what you hear in my heart in this whole thing is these are some things that I'm learning and these are things that I need to be reminded of too because I struggle with these same things. I needed to be reminded of this this week. But instead of feeling defeated, we need to attack our debt. We need to pay it down. We need to have a plan for our paycheck. We need to say no to some things so we can say yes to some better things. This week, what if you invited God into your finances? And you said, you know what, God, I may not have all my greeds, but you have given me all my needs. And maybe you could say the words of Paul, whether I have a little or I have a lot, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Maybe you need to sit down for the first time and write out a budget. You need to start telling your money where to go. But for some of you, you're not in debt. You're doing well financially. You're like, how does this apply to me? Well, I would tell you, talk to God about your finances. Maybe today, as you heard about Samaritan's Purse or our phase two of our build out, maybe God's putting on in your heart that you could give a little bit more, that you could increase your tithe. You could be a little bit more faithful or you could take another step of faith and give a little bit more. Listen, God didn't just give you all this money for you to stockpile for yourself but he gave it to you very strategically. It's his, and he wants you to steward it wisely. You will have to give an account for everything you have, whether you have a little or you have a lot. You will have to give an account to it. So steward it wisely. So who or what is in that first position in your life? Is it money and stuff? Or is it God? You know, whenever I talk about tithing, people look at me like I've got two heads. Because what I'm talking about is very countercultural. The world loves to worship money and all the things that it can give us. But I'm up here telling you all to worship God with your money and put God first in your finances. See, firsts are very important to God. The first commandment is you shouldn't have any other gods before him. 
God wants to be first in every area of your life. He wants to be your number one priority. See, not putting God first in your life, first in your finances, is like buttoning up a jacket or a t-shirt and you, you, uh, incorrectly. Because if you get the top button wrong, all the other buttons are going to be wrong too. Things are going to be a little crooked. Things are going to be a little off. But when you get that top button right, everything else falls into place. Listen, this isn't something I want from you. This is something I want for you. I want you to experience what I've experienced in my own life. That there is joy in trusting God and putting God first in your finances. The bottom line is this. If you're here today and you think more money is going to solve most of your problems, you're going to be wrong in thinking that. More money will not solve most of your problems. What will solve more of your problems is more of Jesus. Jesus brings intimacy, healing, focus. He brings power and purpose. He brings the divine into this world. What you need is more Jesus. So instead of needing more money and more stuff, because you're never going to have enough, you're always going to want more and more and more. What we need is more Jesus, more of his purpose, more of his direction. I want less of me, less of my money, and more of Jesus. Amen? Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.